You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, Ephaphatha, those would have been the first words that this deaf and mute man would have ever heard in his entire life, coming from the mouth, from the lips of Jesus, Ephaphatha. Be opened to this man's ears, and they are opened. Jesus had put his fingers in the man's ears, and Jesus spat, and then touches the man's tongue, and then he speaks the word, and it's done. The deaf and mute man hears and speaks. Now, you ask, Pastor, Pastor, why in the world did Jesus spit and touch the man's tongue and say this word in Aramaic? And the answer is, I have no idea. I mean, Jesus simply could have said the word and it would have been done. And the man would have been made whole. He could have thought the thought if Jesus wanted to. And it would have happened. But Jesus, and especially when he's healing people, Jesus never does the same thing twice. One time he says the word and the person's healed. Another time he doesn't say anything at all and the person is healed. One time he turns and touches someone. Another time someone touches him, the hem of his robe, and they're healed. Jesus sends the ten lepers to walk to Jerusalem and they're healed as they're going on the way. Or another time Jesus spits on the ground and he makes mud and he puts it on the man's eyes so that he could see. Or sends another man to wash his eyes in the pool. Every miracle that Jesus does is different. And we notice it especially with the miracle that's put before us today, the healing of the deaf and mute man, because it's just strange. Jesus touching and spitting and touching again, sighing and speaking. Now, why is it that Jesus does it this way, all the time different? I mean, first, the the first thing we need to know is that Jesus isn't doing magic. He's not engaged in some sort of ritual action that will change things. There's, <coughs> excuse me, there's nothing here that Jesus does for us to copy as if we could do the same thing. Jesus wants us to know when he does these miracles that the authority to accomplish these things comes from himself. He, after all, is the creator of the universe. The God who spoke light into darkness, who crafted out Adam and Eve, who, who hung the stars in the sky, who fills the sky with birds and the seas with fish. And He would, with these miracles, show us who He is. That He accomplishes these things. But second, and I think this is incredibly, incredibly helpful for us to consider, Jesus is a person. He has personality. Jesus is not just a robot or a machine where you get what you expect. You press a button and this happens. You say a prayer and the answer comes in this way. No. Now, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine talking to a person, a normal person, and they always said the same thing using the exact same words? It'd be, it'd be horrible. It wouldn't be a conversation at all. And now, if this is how it is with us, if we can surprise one another with what we say, how much more with Jesus? We pray, and we ask the Lord to hear our prayer, and He hears them, and He answers them, but He does it all the time differently. 
In fact, I think one of the things that we struggle with, at least I do, is that I have a kind of a vending machine picture of prayer. I'd like this. I say to God and put in the coin and press these two buttons and a Kit Kat falls out like this. That we come before the Lord and we ask Him something and then it's sort of a mechanical process and the Lord gives us the answer. But the Bible does not teach us this about prayer, about talking with Jesus, about who He is. It gives us a different picture. Perhaps the best picture, remember this, is Jacob wrestling with God on the banks of the Jabbok River. Now, there is something that you don't expect. God shows up to deal with Jacob and you think that maybe Jacob would offer a sacrifice or build an altar or that God would perform a miracle or give Jacob some sort of vision. But instead, seemingly without a single word of introduction, God comes right to Jacob on the on the edge of the river and grabs a hold of him and starts wrestling him. <laughs> what? I mean, this is this is not what you expect. They're throwing each other on the sand. They're grabbing at each other's ankles. Jesus is there shooting for the leg of Jacob. <laughs> Do you know? And this goes on all night. Pinning one another down. Throwing one another in the river. Until at last Jesus ch- touches Jacob on the hip, hip, uh, hip and now he's limping around. But he still won't let go of Jesus. Now imagine this. They're both dripping in sweat. I mean, they've been fighting all night. And, and Jacob's holding on to Jesus. And Jesus is squirming, trying to get away from him. And he says, let me go. And he says, no, not until you give me a blessing. And so Jesus turns and says, fine. <laughs> Here it is. You're blessed. And by the way, you have a new name. Israel, which means wrestles with God. That's the picture that the Bible gives us with prayer. And this is how it is with the Lord. He's always full of surprises. I mean, imagine the disciples following Jesus around. They must must have constantly thought, what in the world is going to happen today? (laughs) What's going to happen next? Every day was a surprise. And this is how it is for us. Jesus comes to us unexpectedly with unexpected things. I mean, after all, here we are with our guilt. Here we are with our sin. Here we are with our shame. And we know it. You know it. We might not realize how bad we are, totally. We might not have a a full sense of, of how deep our sin goes. But we know that we're bad enough to deserve bad things from God. So when we hear Jesus knocking on the door, the last thing we want to do is open it. I mean, what is he going to do? Give us a summons? Cuff us and throw us in the back seat of his holiness patrol car? But look, this is what you don't expect. Jesus, they're standing there with a cross. With a bucket full of his blood to wash your sins away. You don't expect that. Jesus crying out in agony, in utter despair, all so that the Father could smile at you. The gospel, this gospel, is always a surprise. We had a wedding in our family yesterday, which is always wonderful because it's an opportunity to consider Genesis, the Genesis text, and how it was when God created Adam and Eve, and how it was when they, when they fell. Now, look at how it was with Adam and Eve. There in the garden, after they'd eaten the fruit, 
They see that they're, that they're naked and they're afraid. They're afraid of God. They're afraid to stand in front of one another. They're afraid of the rustling leaves. They, they, they cover themselves with fig leaves, but that's not enough. And they hear the sound of Jesus walking in the garden and they're afraid. So they run and hide. Now look, you've played hide-and-go-seek before, right? When you were children, you played hide-and-go-seek. But how many of you have actually been hiding from someone because you were scared out of their mind because they thought that you were, you were, your life was in danger? I mean, this might have happened to some of you. Your house was broken into, and there you are hiding in the closet. Or someone is coming around the corner to track you down. Or there's some sort of wild beast. I don't, if any of you, if this has happened to you, then tell me the story. I'd like to know. But there's some sort of wild beast around the corner and it's there to, ready to devour you and you have to hide from them. Now think of that. Getting down as small as you possibly can. Trying to cover yourself completely. Trying to slow down your breathing so that you couldn't be heard. And now your heart is pounding in your ears because they're afraid. What is he going to do with us when he finds us? You see, they didn't know what to expect. But they knew that whatever it was, it wasn't going to be good. They they knew, Adam and Eve knew how much God loved his creation. And they also knew that they had just destroyed it. All of it. So that presumably they would be destroyed too. That God would send them back to the dirt which He used to make them. But they didn't expect this. God comes and finds them and gives them promises. Promise, promises even of a son that would destroy the devil and rescue them. See, Adam and Eve had followed the voice of the devil and brought sin and death into the world. But God shows up in the garden now with a cross, with a bucket of the blood of Jesus to wash away their sins. He shows up with the gospel, with mercy, with kindness and comfort. And that is not what you expect. God be praised. He surprises us with His mercy. He he takes the sinful... And He forgives us. He takes those drowning in shame and He covers us. He takes those who are broken and He fixes us. He takes a hold of the dead and He gives us life. Life eternal. For God's answer to our sin, to your sin, to your death, and to your shame is Jesus. And this is a wonderful surprise. It always seems to me like Jesus in the Gospels doesn't really want to be healing people. Now, this, uh, please understand, he does want to, but it's like this. He knows it's going to cause him trouble. Jesus knows that when he starts healing people, that there's going to be a crowd for him to heal, and he's going to be up all night healing people. He knows that because of the great crowds pressing in to be healed, that he won't be able to go into the cities Because the crowds that are there. And most of all, Jesus knows that when he's healing people, he's not able to teach. And look, the healing benefits the one person who's healed, but the teaching is for everyone. And Jesus came to teach and to die. But even though Jesus is a bit hesitant to heal, he can't help himself. 
Someone comes to him hurt or wounded or sick or broken or unclean or dead, and Jesus will fix them. His compassion can't be stopped. His kindness just keeps coming, driving him towards these people who need him, driving him to you until at last he's there on the cross, the place he despises and desires the most, where he will make all things new. And this is the same Jesus, your Jesus who will on the last day return and stand on the earth and he will say the words that this deaf man heard, Ephaphatha, that is, be opened to your grave and you will stand. You will stand with him. You will stand forever in the new heaven and the new earth. All because Jesus has died for you. And Jesus forgives your sins. So you ask, Pastor, why in the world did Jesus spit and put His finger in this man's ears and touch His tongue? The answer is, I've got no idea. (laughs) But dear saints, whatever Jesus is doing, touching, spitting, healing, Sighing, dying, rising, blessing, ascending, praying, returning, forgiving, whatever it is that Jesus is doing, whatever surprise He is up to, it's all for you. And it's all for your good. For He does all things well. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.